The Discover College Soccer Podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Chris from Lindenwood. Welcome, Coach. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We we have one thing in common. We got to do our four years of college ball playing in DC, which was uh, which was fun. Uh, although, uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm a little older than you are, but uh, but you know, you, you you get to look better for longer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> to each his own. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, the cool thing about talking to you and and about Lindenwood is the fact that you guys just made the jump from from division two to division one this this season is your first in division one you guys are in the ovc um so and and you got hired in, in just january right correct all right so you had basically well, we'll call it six months you know somebody might say eight before the first game but 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 not a long time to to kind of craft a uh a team to to be division one ready that was was division two so how how did you approach that? What what kind of things did you feel like you needed to do to get the team ready for for match one? Yeah, and actually to correct you, it's actually our second season in Division Oh, uh, my, Division my One. Um, but but the it, the announcement was made just over a year ago, about a year and a half ago that it was made. So okay. there wasn't a lot of lead up time going into the first Division One season. It's my first year with the program, but. Um, yeah, I think when I took over, I, you know, the, the first thing I had to do is, you know, SWOT analysis where we're at, you know, and so gave everybody a fair chance to see, hey, show me the best version of you and, and where are we at and, you know, my vision and, and mission for the program, did it match and align that? And so, um, yeah, there was a lot of guys that, you know, they didn't necessarily sign up for a division one experience, um, which is okay. And, uh, some guys didn't want that. Right. And so it's okay. But m many guys, uh, gave their best versions of themselves and, you know, whether it works out or didn't work out, there was just obviously needed, needed more. Right. And we needed to take a step up. And uh, when you go to division one, um, obviously I, it, it's, it's a big jump. Right. And so I think the mentality, the fitness, the diets, the athleticism, that the level of coaching, the details go a little bit higher. So um, yeah, I scouting all those players and bringing in 21 new guys in, in basically four or five months, uh, you know, 21 out of the 25, 26 guys we had were new. So it was a lot of work in the short term, but uh, really happy and proud of the group. Well, and and obviously you didn't bring in 21 freshmen. Uh, no. So it, it kind of talk to me about how you made the decisions in terms of your mix between uh, transfers, internationals. Did you look at the junior college route versus versus bringing in, you know, freshmen? What 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 is that thought process? Yeah, I think it's important to get it right. The foundational level for me was the most important and obviously balancing out the classes. I think we have about 10 freshmen and 11 transfers, right? And those transfers have all different various amounts of years, uh, one years, two years, three years. Um, some had four years, some are redshirt freshmen, uh, came from all different levels. Came guys from Division One. there was three guys I coached at St. Louis University that came over with me. Um, there were other players that uh, one played at Lindleywood in the fall actually transferred to another school and transferred back uh, after I got hired. So, um, and we have guys from NAIA, we have guys from junior college, the local junior colleges. Um, and then we have freshmen, like I said, 10 from all over the country, from 
Alabama, Florida. I mean, you got it everywhere. We got guys from Michigan uh, locally here. Um, St. Louis market, obviously, is one that we value, but we have a balance of all classes. And that was the key to stability is, um, you know, balancing out so you don't have an exodus after year one or year two or year three with like 10 or 15 guys. Sure. Absolutely. Well, in terms of you're recruiting, obviously, St. Louis soccer hotbed, um, but you know, everybody is always asking, oh, do I have to play MLS next or ECNL in order to play, you know, Division One soccer at a high level? Where do you spend your majority of your time looking? What, what is kind of, you know, what tournaments do you hit? What leagues do you look at? What is what is that mix for you? Yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, con- concept because there, there's this misnomer that you have to play in a certain league or two or you got to be doing this to be able to translate. I don't necessarily agree with that, though I think there are leagues that are better yes i think mls is probably the top in america and um a great platform and great learning great coaching and almost all the clubs do a tremendous job coaching so clearly if you're going to play for one of the top teams in the mls leagues you, you, you've been well coached right and so uh now you got to take that individual and say does that individual fit in what we're trying to do because college college soccer in a, in a nutshell is not necessarily played similar to the mls teams um it's a little bit more gritty in a uh, a lot more substituting and a little bit more direct as college. And so, um, you know, some of the other leagues may fit that international fits that in a lot of different countries around the world. Um, getting guys from maybe ECNL or USYSA where it's a, it seems a little bit more about the com- competition and fight and grit that does translate, but it's also sometimes considered a lower level. But for me, if, if they really go down to the nitty gritty, it's all about the individual. Right. And so, I, I don't look for players to see where they're at now. I look to see where they're going to go later. Um, I'm a big fan of coachability and, and, and I love to coach. It's a huge passion of mine. And and I love guys that are, that, you know, are sponges and want to, you know, want to absorb knowledge. And so I don't really care what platform you necessarily come from. So I, I my, my answer, long-winded answer is more, I kind of evaluate all platforms and just find the right players from within them. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, in terms of, the international side of things you know you guys got a handful on your roster there's a couple uh we'll say high-ranking division ones out there that seem a lot more loaded with internationals and there seems to be this almost a trend especially on the guy side a little bit still on the women's but but more on the guys that international recruiting is is getting a little more heavier uh and and some of the u.s guys are like now i mean how, how do i compete so how do you look at international recruiting? How important is it? Are you seeing a lot of these guys in person or is it only tape or, or how does that work? Yeah, it's, it's a balance. I think, you know, certain programs have bigger f- affordable budgets that allow them to maybe go overseas uh, in person more or at all. Right. And so um, I wouldn't say we're made of money that I can just fly over to Europe or South America or wherever the players are and just go watch them all the time. So there's a lot more video heavy early Um you know, I, I, you know, to each program's choices of internationals or Americans, that's up to them. Right. And I don't think there's a right way and a wrong way. And no one, who am I to tell anybody else how to run their program. Right. So um, I think it's a balance. I think if you can get an international guy, I think you know, a lot of times you get from them is maybe a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, they've, they've grown up with the sport as a real passion. Um, it's, it's something that they're striving to do since the day they were born. Right. And so um, in America, we're afforded such amazing amount of luxuries where, uh, you know, obviously the, the coaching has gotten way, way better since when I grew up, but um, it's, it's not, it's not like if, if you don't make it in soccer, oh, I'll just go to college. It's no big deal. It's a fallback. Right. But overseas, a lot of places, it's not a fallback. It's all or nothing. And so it, 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 there is a, just a different passion. Right. And so 
Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a balance for me. It's I just want the best people if they're in the national grade. If they're not, doesn't matter to me. It's just uh, I think sometimes you just get a little bit older, get a little bit more seasoned, some higher level games. Um, you know, so I, I it's pretty impressive to see some rosters that are mainly foreign and some that are mainly American. And when I was at St. Louis University, we were essentially almost all American. We were known for being the only program that had almost all Americans. And yeah, that, that DNA changes year to year based on you know what the needs are. Yeah. For sure. Well, you you mentioned you have a roster size of twenty five. Is that kind of your target uh, size, or or what what are you looking to do as you move forward uh, in the in the program? Sure, I I think the idea is always to get the right people. I I I'm not a believer of bringing anybody into the program that I don't think will play here. Um, I don't have guys at the end of the roster just four year bench guys. I don't I don't believe in that. I believe everyone has value and has upside and will will play not if not in the short term, right? And so. Um, roster size. I don't like big, big rosters where guys are sitting and there's 40 guys. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. I love giving an individual attention to guys. Um, so my ideal roster size would always be somewhere between 25 and 32, but probably under 30. Okay. Well, in terms of, again, recruiting, moving forward, I mean, are, do you plan on having ID camps or do your staff work other camps? How do camps fit into your, to your recruiting process? Yeah, I'm a big fan of ID camps and, and not only our, our own, but going and attending others. We uh, Some of the best players I think I've ever coached, I've recruited from not only our camps or other camps, and they've been some of the best guys because, you know, it's it's a selfless process, right? It's a, Can you stand out amongst 50 kids, 75 kids, 100? It's a, it's, a, it's a tryout, you know, and I think the kids who see it that way play with a little bit more passion and fight and they care to be there. And so, um, you know, I get to speak with them. I get to talk with them. I get to maybe put them into the drills that we do. Um, so we run a ton of ID camps and we recruit pretty intently from them. Um, and so, yeah, we just had an ID camp uh, last month in September. And then uh, we're having another up- upcoming camp in November on the 19th. Um, and yeah, we self-assess and we, we recruit players that we have seen. And I think it allows us to get that you know, everyone's always in their environment, which is wonderful. It's they're in their comfort zones. They the coach knows how they play. I like to see players out of their comfort zones where maybe they don't know any of the people at camp and they got to adjust in a new situation. And then and then obviously the the exercises that we we run and it's good to see how how they fit. Do they understand what we're doing? Can they can they progress within the session? They get better. Do they get better when they're tired? Do they get worse? Right. So, uh, yeah, we we very much camp recruit not only our own camps but other camps as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's shift gears. Let's talk about the school a bit, because I'm sure there's some folks out there who who aren't familiar with Lindenwood. Sure. Um, so, it, it, you know, you you haven't been there long, but but what are some of the, the things that you found that are awesome either during uh, your interview process or, or so far so good? What you know, what have you found that's awesome that maybe some people wouldn't even know just by going through the website? Yeah, the number one thing is the people. The people here are pretty impressive. They're just really good, helpful people who are supportive and caring. Um, you know, I think that's the number one thing. And I, and that's how I value the locker room. It's all about people first, but um, I think the one thing that like Lindawood is always, uh, you know, I've lived here in, in St. Louis for up, up to six years now. And uh, the number one thing I'd always heard from afar was Lindawood, hidden gem, Lindawood, hidden gem, hidden gem, hidden gem. And I was like, all right, I got to check out this place. And then uh, the job came open. I kind of went on campus and kind of viewed and I was like, wow, this place is a hidden gem. And so I think when the, the school moved from NAIA to division two to, to division one, um, 
it's one of the few schools that can do it pretty seamlessly, right? Because the the facilities are incredible. The campus is beautiful. Its affordability is incredible. St. Charles, which is just outside St. Louis, uh, St. Louis um, is a very historic town. It's incredible, right? So there's there's student life, there's community life, there's facilities, there's campus, there's affordability, private school education. So anybody who gets on campus now is like, wow, this really is a gem. And so I think that's one of the neat things about our camps is, you know, no one's really heard. We don't have a huge brand name, but every time student athletes get on campus, they're kind of blown away. And they're like, wow, I, I never knew X, Y, and Z about Linwood. So it's, it's the people and, and, and the place really is, is, is really, really impressive. And that's why, that's why I'm here. Awesome. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough becoming a, a student athlete, right? Because you got to balance the student part and the athlete part. Um, so specifically at Lindenwood, you know, how, how do your student athletes really balance the commitments between sport and academics and kind of what support systems does the school offer to help in that? For sure. And I'm, I'm a big believer in academics drive your soccer, right? I, I'm not one that say soccer only and, and only that and academics and they'll see what happens there. Right. I, I truly believe it translates on the field. You're more consistent, you're more, more dependable. So I am demanding in terms of on, on the field soccer wise, but I'm also demanding in the classrooms. So uh, the demand for the guys is, you know, we expect 3.3 GPA team overall. And I think that's going to rise over time. Uh, but we expect that guys go to study hall. Um, they're, they're ahead of the curve. We uh, we're very big on communication between the coaching staff and, and how you're doing weekly uh, class checks. We do all sorts of things to make sure our checks and balances academically line up with our academic advisors and then our professors and getting extra help where, where we need to. So uh, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's a big one when, to your earlier question about the difference between D2 and D1 is there's just, uh, there's plenty of really, really good Division II schools out there. I think sometimes it demands between Division II and Division III and NAI and junior college and all that. It's just different, right? So our guys get back from a road trip late, late in the evening. Well, well, we get back on the horn. We train in the morning. We, we do regen. We hit the weight room. We hit study hall. And there's no expectations that you're missing this. Or let's just take today off. Let's take this. No, it's back on the horn. Get after it. And I know you're tired, but we're all tired. And uh, if you if we're not doing it, someone else is. So yeah, the, the demands are high, and uh, but you know, I think we got the right guys in the locker room that can handle it. Well, so, well, speaking of that kind of schedule, I mean, you're, you're, you and I are talking here middle of the season. Um, you know, it's a Monday. Walk me through what this week w- would look like, uh, a typical week during the season, conference week. You know, w- when when do you not guys normally train? When are meals? When are classes? What What's kind of the game cadence? What, is, what does this, all that look like if I was a player on the roster right now? Right. Since we just started um, OVC schedule, it's now consistent the rest of the year. So this is the first time all year we've had a consistent schedule week to week. So we play on Thursdays, Sundays, uh, and we'll take off today, Monday. So today's our day off the week. We'll train Tuesday, Wednesday, game Thursday, and then uh, recover and also train on Friday and Saturday and then play again on on Saturday, sorry, Sunday. And then um, we'll squeeze in, you know, up to two times a week, either regen or lift team lifts. And then um, obviously we got to squeeze video in there and, and uh, private individual meetings. I mean, it's, a, it's a lot to be fair. It's a lot in a student athlete. And sometimes as coaches, we, we only see it in tunnel vision of soccer, soccer, soccer. And we have to put up, put ourselves back in, our, in those shoes that we were, you know, I was a division one athlete. And I know it's demanding. And it's like, I think those who regiment their time tend to tend to handle the, the demand better um, and then those who don't have really good time demands tend to catch up and it actually, actually ends up hurting them later in the season when they're playing catch up. So 
we like to get ahead of the curve in everything we do. And, and we say going over and beyond and everything between relationships, academics, meetings, coaching, fitness, diet, go, go and do over and beyond. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more uh, on the, on the soccer side of things. Um, y- you know, you, you mentioned about, you, you know, your roster size and what that looks like. Let's talk about your staff. What, what size of staff do you have? What role does everybody play? Are there other kind of support staff within the athletic department that, that interact with the team? What's that look like? Yeah, we, we have a really good staff. I mean, Ian Henry, uh, Nick Powers and Tyler Dahl, they're, they're fantastic. I'm very lucky that I, uh, I was able to recruit those guys to buy into the vision, the mission. Um, you know, all of them have a lot of Division One, Division Two, and NAIA experience before in recruiting. And then uh, one was a former head coach. Another one's coached at two or three or four different Division One schools. Um, you know, and and so I, I'm very fortunate that I don't have to reteach simple things. They they kind of hit the treadmill sprint, and so that that's I'm very fortunate with that. Um, we also have a lot of resources in, in and around uh, Lindenwood. We have tons of um, access to strength coaches, dietitians, psychologists, um, health and awareness. Uh, you know, we have so many people willing to help. Um, and I think everybody's excited because, you know, not a lot of coaches tend to use all those resources. It, it, you know, our time is you get 24 hours in a day and I can't be with the team, 22 of them. That's not fair. Right. But balancing out people if you ask people to do more they tend to want to do more they they everybody wants to be involved in in success and so we hopefully want to be a very successful program and uh and we have a lot of people including a lot of managers uh who are on campus who help us in a lot of different ways with social media um with training and equipment and meal orders and all kind of stuff okay well let's talk about you though as the head coach top man here so how would you describe your style of coaching the team style of play and what kind of culture you're you're trying to have there with the team yeah i think like anything you try and always base around what what you your team is right and so you know eventually my voice has to decrease over a season and and not increase if it's increasing we're not we're not we're not very good or we're not going to get what, what i expect our goals to meet right and so eventually you know, I have to I have to be demanding up front and, and, and relentless, to be honest, in the details. Uh, we're a very principle based program. Um, I'm a big belief that principles drive success. Um, tactics change, players change. But, you know, there's habits that we need to establish. Um, being that we don't have a continuous group from year two to three to four right now, um, it gets it's a little bit more from me uh, and the staff. And so. Once that gets firmly established, I mean, I, I like I said earlier on, it's it's such a foundational level that we're working on. We're not trying to hit the top of the pyramid just yet, but we we have to establish that. That's why I'm not a race to the finish. I didn't bring in 25 transfers to try and win in, in year one. It's not my my intentions. We're a work in progress. And so as a coach, I, yeah, I'm very demanding of details. And I, and I want, uh, you know, I kind of use the phrase efforts, non-negotiable, like coachability, non-negotiable. Like you have to give the best version of you every single day. Right. And so when you show me the bar is here, I don't want to see this. This is the bar. You said it. And if that it's, it's that or higher every day, I know your soccer may not be there today. We're all humans. We don't, you know, we just, today just not working soccer wise, but you can always have a good attitude, good team spirit. You can always be supportive. You can always work hard, all the intangibles. Right. So, um, we're very much intangible driven, uh, in terms of soccer. Yeah. I, I love being on the ball. I think that's an important part of the game. I think you can manipulate any game without the ball, but over time, I don't think that breeds successful, consistent results. Um, so we, 
we want to be on the ball as much as we can and, and take it, take the aggressive going forward. And, uh, and then defensively, when we don't have it, can we be tough to play against? Can we be organized and not give opponents a lot of good chances? And uh, I think, I think we reflect most of that of what I've just talked about in a short period of time. Is it, is, are we there yet? No, not even close, but uh, I'm very proud of where we are and where we've gone in such a short period of time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys are, are, are looking good here so far, early OVC uh, action. Um, well, in terms of when the season's over, uh, you know, we get through Christmas and, and New Year's and, and you're looking at the off season. Uh, what's that? What do you see that looking like for the players in terms of what they're going to do in the in the non-traditional season, shall we say? Sure. I, I think it always starts with self-reflection. So we're, we're big on reflecting individually and collectively. I think if you the hard part about college soccer is it's it's pretty relentless. It's like you play a game the next day, you're already preparing for the next one and the next one and the next one. It's like it's like it's like on a sprint. The, the weeks that you actually get a full week to prepare, you can reflect better as a team. Um, but again, we can't make excuses. The schedule is what the schedule is. But when the season's over, it's a lot more reflection where we are, where we want to go. Do we do we reach our goals? If we didn't, why didn't we? Um, was it injuries? Was it lack of coaching? Was it? Uh, fitness was it diet was it um you know decisions made on and off the field um you know how are we doing in the classroom because i i will not tolerate guys in our program not getting good grades thinking that that soccer alone is going to solve the issue no I, i'm here to develop men uh who are successful in, in and out of the classroom and in life and so uh we got to make sure that those guys are academically sound so they can get a good good degree and, and be successful later on so a lot of reflection um you know work on self-analysis between what, what worked, what didn't work, what are our deficiencies? How do we, where do we solve those problems? Obviously there'll be seniors who will, you know, eventually move on from the program. We got to fill those shoes and uh, yeah. And then we got to assess the needs for the recruiting. All right. Well, I appreciate all the time. I like to end these all with the, with the same question. And that's if you had, you know, one piece of advice, one nugget, that you you want to make sure that every parent, player, family, anybody going through the college soccer recruiting process should know, what would that be? Oh, so you got a million dollar question here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just believe in anything in life, do it with passion and uh, to the best of your ability, right? And so I, I kind of have this uh, quote by Prefontaine, the famous runner, but like to, to get it, anything less than your best is the sacrifice, the gift. We, we all have different gifts in life and they come in all shapes and sizes, but if you can't give the best version of you, you're going to be disappointed that, you know, as you get older, you kind of funnel your life into like smaller and smaller buckets and you hopefully can give more in those buckets. And so uh, I just think, you know, play with passion, live your life with passion, form great relationships and, uh, yeah, like I said in the beginning, it's all about people and treating people right. And and, uh, and and so I think just, you know, fulfilling yourself by giving those gifts is is kind of what I would say. Love it. Well, Coach, wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Hopefully uh, you can maybe run the table on on your OVC foes here and uh, and and keep keep that program moving in the right direction. And if you ever get down to Bradenton for any of the tournaments we host down here at IMG or anywhere else, give me a shout and we'll get together. All right. Well, my parents live in Sarasota, so let's ah, make that happen. Uh, yeah, seriously. Anytime you're in, and uh, I'll, I'll get you taking a look at some of our uh, our, our club's boys. So, Excellent. Love awesome. it. Awesome. Take care, Coach. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. Bye.
Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates, there's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches, their contact information, their social media information, uh, some basic stats about the school and more. Plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions, share your wins, your losses, any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process. It's all there at the Discover College Soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com slash study table and hopefully we will see you there.